You are listening to Conversations with International Professionals, where we discover the challenges and rewards of communicating across language, culture, and leadership. We are sponsored by leadinenglish.com, your official site for mastering clarity, impact narrative, where you can get 32 coaching sessions to up your game and deliver results in no time. Now, here is your host, Vince Varello. Good day, everybody. It's exciting to be back and be with my guest, Swapan Khanna. And so the audience knows Swapan and I have been working together for the last, oh, I don't know, six months, probably better in a coaching assignment. And so it's my delight to have you here today. And Swapan, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. So, Vince, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure uh, doing this podcast with you. Brief introduction about myself. I'm an Indian, born, born and brought up in India, kind of educated in India. And, you know, post that, pretty much been in the financial services sector all my life. The first 15 years or so, worked in India. And then somehow something happened and I ended up hitting various parts of the world, kind of being exposed to uh, multiple countries, multiple geographies, but more importantly, multiple cultures, multiple ways of doing things, multiple varied ways of looking at things. So I think I would call myself fortunate for having gotten that experience. It kind of broadened my horizons. It, it made me the person that I am today. But long story short, hardcore financial services professional from the insurance sector and really had a phase in my life where I think having found you in your coaching sessions was very, very timely, I must say. That's very nice of you to say. So you are the classic definition of an international professional. And you said you've moved around quite a bit. Just share with us, where have you lived? Where have you worked? Take us around the world a little bit. Sure, let me do that. And like I said, interesting. For the first 15 years, I was like pretty much in India. I worked in various cities in India. You know, at times people discount that as well, right? You know, when you move within a country, it does things. And in a country as vast as India, when you move from, let's say, North India, Delhi, to a West India, Mumbai, the cultural difference there itself can be a bit of a shock to somebody who's not visited those parts of, of that vast country. Which so, language now is your language? Yes, so largely it's Hindi in, uh, in India, but the education system, as you know, Vince in India is, is English-based. It allowed India to be somewhat able to unify itself, at least from a communication perspective. So to a large extent, work life is with English sort of as the backbone, and it makes it easier. It also makes it easier for Indians then to explore avenues outside of India, simply because, hey, they have been sort of familiar with English as a language for work purposes, if not anything else. So yeah, the first 15 years I moved around in India, kind of still within the same sector. A slight detour, I took an entrepreneurial plunge 10 years into my career, started something of my own, ran that for about four or five years. But then, as you know, life happens. <laughs> life happens and you know there was a bit of a curveball and I needed to pivot. I, I needed to kind of reinvent myself. And I started some freelance consulting. That wins to my mind was the starting point for me reaching out, right? Outside of my comfort zone, outside of the geographical boundaries that I was playing in. 
And again, you know, for another detailed podcast on entrepreneurship, I could talk about how I pivoted and took the plunge. But that pivot took me very early on in 2014, when to West Africa of all the places. I found a client in, in Nigeria who was looking for somebody who had some experience in the financial services sector. We kind of got along well. They got me over to help them acquire a life insurance company and help them sort of reinvent and reprogram that outfit. And that's where it started. You know, I started spending a lot of time in Nigeria and it was like spending two months at a go there, working there pretty much full time, come back to the family in India for two weeks, go back again and, and stuff. And I did that for about a year and a half. So got a very new exposure to an upcoming emerging market in a developing country, very different way of looking at things. And when, when a country and an economy like Nigeria, and there are others I will talk about, are at that stage of their evolution, there are so many things that we take for granted in some of the more mature markets, whether it's the regulatory environment, whether it's how you interface with partners and stakeholders, there are cultural nuances that you need to be careful of. So that, that was my first exposure and learning experience. And whilst I was doing Nigeria, I was obviously being a freelance consultant, trying to look at other opportunities. And I found one as my project in Nigeria was coming to an end. I found one in Singapore. And this was a large multinational insurance company who needed somebody to help them look at market entry projects. And then I came pretty much on a project basis for 10 months, went to Singapore. And whilst I was stationed in Singapore for those 10 months, once again, new country, different culture, highly developed market, very uh, high level of maturity of customers and people that you deal with. But the market entry projects were then related to not just Singapore, but markets like Australia and Indonesia. So suddenly you start getting exposure to those two markets. Again, two very different ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. And, and I really love what you said too about, especially your experience in Nigeria, developing the kind of entrepreneurial mindset. And certainly in one of the things that we do with our international professionals is identify the fact that it's not just about language. It's also, it's about culture. And I think your journey is exciting for our audience because it really is also about leadership. We talk a lot about the intersection of English culture and leadership. So as you wound up in Singapore and working for this large multinational firm, tell our audience a little bit about that interplay. So that interplay is very important, which you hit it right on the head. You know, it's always at a certain stage in people's career, especially if these people are international professionals. In the initial phase, it might be a little bit about language, but at the end, it's about being able to communicate clearly with impact and be able to draw in the receptiveness of the cultures in which you are operating. So there is that fine balance. And leadership, to my mind, is nothing but being able to clearly communicate the purpose of the organization to mm. people that you are leading. And that at times requires you to be clear about the purpose that you want the organization to, to follow. So that interplay really played out well in Singapore, you know, since we picked up that example. 
Let's stay with that for a second, if, if sure. you don't mind, no, because no. I like that when people say clarity of expression, especially when you're talking about working across cultures, people automatically think of the way somebody sounds and the accent that people have. But I hear you talking about a different level of clarity, almost like an organizational clarity and being able to express that. Could you shed a little more light on that? Sure, absolutely. I think where at least my head has been the last few years, and it's quite frankly been a learning experience. It wasn't always the case. I think where my head is now is, look, at the end of the day, till the time it's not clear within the organization and its leaders as to where they want to lead people and what do they want to accomplish as their goals, as their purpose more than anything else, it starts to become difficult about just speaking things right. You know, at times you would find people trying to I'll take a, a very inane example, Wins. People trying to slow down simply because they feel that that would be a lot more clearer to a non-native English-speaking audience. But hey, just slowing down or reducing your accent isn't really going to cut it. They might find the words a lot more easier to grasp, but if the message is not clear, well, what have we really achieved at the end of the day, right? Hmm. So I think that's what people need to start thinking about a little bit more as they operate in multiple markets. And more and more people are starting to do that. And as you talk about that definition of clarity, it really leads to what we call speaking with impact. And, and you know this, we talk about the secret of communication and it's not such a big secret. It's really the communication is not so much about me, it's about them. And I will tell you that many of the professionals that we work with gravitate to that impact piece because it's the piece that not a lot of attention is paid to. The clarity everybody talks about, be clear, slow down, speed up, whatever feedback that you have gotten. But it's the impact piece where you can really make an impact on your audience that draws the attention of international professionals. So tell us a little bit about where impact falls with you and, and where your journey has taken you. I think on the impact piece, Vince, quite frankly, I found our sessions, for example, extremely helpful. That was an area where it was almost like an epiphany. And like most epiphanies, it's not rocket science. It's something that has stared at you at your face and then you, you really haven't seen it. And that was this whole distinction about me versus them, right? But I also find that it's, it's a bit of a curve in our careers, right? Very early on, you know, in the early stages, you need to establish yourself. So there is a bit of a, almost like, it's almost imperative for you to be able to, I use these words loosely, to be able to sell yourself a little. Mm -hmm. So you, you end up in your conversations and the conversations are centered around you and what you bring to the table. But as people start getting into slightly senior roles, leadership roles, I think it starts to become even more important to read your audience. And by audience, I don't mean public speaking. I basically mean anybody that you are speaking with. And to be able to drive that impact, you need to understand where that person's mind is, where his points of importance are. Let's stay with that audience for a second. And as you took this position and relocated your family to Singapore, Tell us a little bit about working with native speakers of English and the impact piece that 
you have experienced while working with native speakers. And I might throw in a question about confidence as well, because this is a huge topic for our audience. It has been for me as well. The firm that I work with, quite frankly, it's a US-based firm, right? So the headquarters are US. Most of the team is completely native speaking. But when we talk about native English speaking, even that word is sort of nuanced, right? The Europeans are, are very different from, let's say, the Americans than the Australians and stuff. And in, in the past, I've worked with European organizations whilst I was in India. But hey, here I'm working with the American organization. Now, we come back to the interplay, and that's a recurring theme, right? Interplay between clarity and impact with language and cultures. So the amount of impact that you can have understanding the American audience, for example, is very different from the kind of impact you would have using certain nuances with another geography. And to that extent, I think it's important for you to be able to gauge that interplay well to be able to deliver that impact. Small example, right? The US-based companies and organizations, I think to a large extent, are fairly direct. And there can be a bit of a impact is largely driven by getting to the point fairly quickly and then coming back to the reasons behind the point. I think it's about attention spans. It's about and that can vary with organizations. I do understand that, but largely speaking. So to that extent, I think my journey over the last two or three years, as I started evolving in my role and starting to interface with the senior leadership of the team, it starts to boil down to how quickly and succinctly can you deliver a message without losing its essence and yet kind of covering it all. And then that goes back to how clear are you in your own head about the message you want to deliver. And that comes with having ruminated on it, building the narrative around it, and then coming out and just crisply, succinctly delivering the message to the audience. Huge challenge. And, you know, as I follow your journey, and right now the journey still has you in Singapore, I know there's more to go during this journey, but during this journey, you are also growing as a leader. And you just mentioned being succinct and concise in your messaging. And one of the challenges we have found that international professionals working across English and culture find is that they don't necessarily trust themselves that they got the message right the first time. And so therefore there's a repetition of it. And eventually that could become a bad habit. And what you're saying is quite the opposite is that especially in front of senior level teams, you need to package it in a way that is crystal clear, concise, and readily acceptable. Let me just throw that back at you and have you respond. I would respond uh, with, with a simple sentence. I think that's a myth. I think that's a myth a lot of us carry. I think it's a myth that we need to let go of. It takes time, no doubt about it. And I can tell you that with my personal experience. You know, I used to probably fall into the same trap over and over again almost rethinking, almost second guessing what I just said and trying to explain it again. But quite frankly, Vince, I think we need to burst that myth on our own. It takes practice, but to start off would be the first step, right? At least be conscious of the fact that you don't need to do that. And once you become conscious and once you start stopping yourself a bit, it starts to grow on you. 
and then that's when the confidence starts to creep in because you'll find when you did it three times that the other guy got it and the conversation started to flow it's like flywheel right one thing leads to another and uh, that starts to build up your confidence as well but you need to take that first step yeah it's so interesting we what we call the upper spirals of language acquisition and also in cultural adaptation that scale and that upper tier of communication already but there's a universe inside the advanced to the bilingual there's a lot of learning and what we really want for people to do and i think you are a great model of this is to first find their strengths what are you good at and then once you find your strengths make them into super strengths and the ultimate goal is to find your authentic voice in english and there's where i think that level of growing confidence comes from not trying to sound like your native speakers not trying to be the senior level but to be yourself in an authentic way that demonstrates a high level of impact you bring up such a great point once you bring up such a great point at the end of the day it is about authenticity it is not about how you speak a particular language and cliched though it may sound i would argue that almost 90 95% of non native english speaking international professionals get their message across when it's about whatever is extremely important to them right mm-hmm. anything that they are good at i would argue they will not have a problem 95% of the time being able to communicate that with clarity with impact as long as they're not trying to bring a superficial quote yes of trying to speak a certain way if they are themselves they get it across as long as they're good at it so you're absolutely spot on at the end of the day we we talk about when your sessions for example talked about clarity impact and narrative right and to my mind whilst each of them have an important interplay with each other that narrative to my mind is the cornerstone that's where your authenticity comes from you get your own narrative right the other two start to follow with a bit of practice with a bit of hard work just a little bit of smoothing the edges etc but if you've got your head clear on your purpose on what you are good at where you are delivering value it, it starts to flow from there thanks for sharing that i couldn't agree with you more but i also want to be clear with the audience within that upper spirals of language acquisition and cultural adaptation there are a lot of techniques and maybe the better way to put it is technical skills that need to be developed and one of them is storytelling and it's not so much stories as examples scenarios as you know so but i like to call it visualization that's right. the visualization being able to show your audience rather than tell your audience and when we define narrative we don't define it as a singular story that defines who you are it's a series of stories that are basically value driven of the things you bring to work every single day 
So there are a lot of technical areas that need development in order to show visualization. Not an easy thing to do when you're working in a second, third, or fourth language. I agree. I agree, Vince. And that is one of the many technical things that one could develop. And it takes a little bit of getting used to. But again, you know, once you get started on some of that, it starts to flow again. Look, each of us has had so many experiences in life, but what we fail to do is to be able to bring that experience in front of another in a way that had impacted us when we had that experience. And it's probably not that difficult, but it's, it's just that we're not used to it. We are not yes. used to it in a work setting, in a, in a formal sort of a setting, but it's a powerful, powerful tool. You know, when we go back to that impact piece, I certainly believe no better way to drive impact than being able to visualize or help somebody visualize a certain point of view. Yeah. And in that impact and narrative piece, one of the central learning points is to create the hero of the story to be your audience. You try to play the role of Obi-Wan more yes. than you do Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, and the purpose there is now filtering into that leadership piece, and that is to create followership, to create a message that is contagious and, and that people understand and resonate with and respond to. Very, very exciting part of that process. Thanks for pointing that out. Absolutely. One of the many things I could point out when, you know, along the way, but again, like I said, lots of interplays lots of connected thoughts in this entire process, but it's uh, it's just lovely kind of being able to connect the dots with you. You know, and then maybe as a, a way of concluding, in our book, Leading in English, we say it takes two to tango. <laughs> and in this process, as you're working with native speakers, let me clearly define the audience you work with tends to be, they are also international professionals. By definition, they are Absolutely. working across language and culture. The difference, of course, is English is their home base. They are native speakers. And in your example, you're working with U.S. Americans, just to be clear about that. Do you find that at this level, that those U.S. international professionals are adjusting to the needs of the international professional working in a non-native language? I think there is room for improvement there, Vince. I think a lot of focus the world over is being given to non-native English-speaking people trying to adjust to the other side. I think there is some work that can happen the other way now. You know, at the end of the day, let me put it this way, and I'm trying to be politically correct here, but it's the developed world that's reaching out to the developing to grow markets, to grow businesses. Yeah. And yes, there is a lot that is being brought to these emerging markets. But at the end of the day, I think all of us need to recognize the cultural nuances, the styles of working, and the language, not barriers, but at least some bit of challenges that some of these countries and some of these markets and, and the people there might be facing. So I think there is some room, again, back to two to tango, right? I think both sides need to walk to each other and not, again, Vince, not make it about just the language, which use the language as a tool to help cut the cultural barriers, 
got the slightly different nuances of how they look at it. And so, as you know, our listening audience really comprise international professionals, regardless of what their native language might be, people who are working across language and culture and striving for leadership and what the leadership is defined by promotion or the ability to have strong impact on the project that you're working with. It is great. So you started this journey. I think now the Singapore piece is coming to an end, if I'm correct. Two things. One, share with us your next stop on your journey. And then maybe what advice do you have for our listening population, for people who are working in English as a non-native language and striving for better communication? The first one, very quickly, yes, Singapore is uh, is coming to an end. I think the bug has bit me enough times for it to become a become a habit. Now I think go out. I go out looking for the next experience. So yeah, in about a month's time, I'm now moving to Hong Kong again. Completely new market, and not very very different from Singapore. But again, there will be differences, cultural as well as uh, language wise. So yeah, that move is upcoming, keeping fingers crossed. Once again, seeing what comes to the table and how I handle it. But as I keep reminding myself and anybody I speak with, Vince, if you build bridges, you've got to be where the rivers are. So at the end of the day, you just need to get to wherever it is that you can deliver what you are good at. So the one thing, and this is not necessarily to just non-native speaking audience, the one thing I would say to anybody is to follow your passion, right? Just go ahead. Don't restrict yourself. Just go out there, do what you were meant to do. Go out of your comfort zone. And look at the end of the day, when it comes to geographies, cultures, languages, again, cliche to make it sound, I think we need to rise up a little. The whole world is our home. We are all one human race. And some of these things, we have over the centuries made so much effort trying to segregate ourselves. I believe those barriers are starting to, to somewhat break, at least on the work front, because there is increased mobility, because there are opportunities across the world, because there are global organizations that bring people together. I would say to uh, the non-native uh, English-speaking audience, I would say start busting some of those myths. I would say find your authentic self. You know you are good at certain things. Yeah. There are opportunities out there. Go get them. Go get them. Some of these things, you will find technical help along the way if you look for it. And then use those tools only to kind of work on the edges. Because who you are is what truly matters. And then just sharpen things a little. And there you are. You're walking home. Great advice. Swapan Kana, when I, when I think of you, I think of a citizen of the world. Good luck on your next journey. I know we'll share it together as you go down that path. And thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you so much, Vince. It was great having this talk with you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Conversations with International Professionals. If you have an interest in the MCIN course or want to take the free assessment, visit us at leadinenglish.com.